Amen. Go ahead and be seated. I don't know about you, but I certainly am a believer in spiritual battles and spiritual battles of between light and darkness, and we see it every day. Boy, even this week, our, I want to commend our uh, worship team this morning because they had to kind of operate under a few variables that were not anticipated. Um, several of our college-age students have had some tough time this week with potential exposures, first-hand, second-hand, not sure what to do, so out of respect for our church, wanting to stay uh, away today, and as a result, it kind of uh, adjusted some of our team up here, and they just jump right in last minute and take care of business. So thank you, worship team, for being so diligent to make the last minute audible late last night, early this morning. Way to go. Yeah. But I also believe that the demons live in electronics. And so, I'm not kidding, but uh, and so this morning we had a lot of challenges electronically and I uh, trust that all that's going to still work out for us today, but just really a great group of people that are faithful servants that get here very early every Sunday morning. We kind of come in here in phases most weeks where it's, there's a group that gets here very early that sets up all this stage and everything that it takes to, to do what we just did here and what we're doing now. And then there's another group that comes in to set up all the children's ministry and another group that comes in to be the host of the house and be hospitable. And I will just tell you that there's room for everyone here to serve in those roles. And we need more servants all the time and people that will just devote their time to the, to the ministry and to what it takes. And so it's a team sport. Um, God's got it for all of us. I believe that uh, in the days we're living today that is not necessarily any worse than any other time in history, though we often like to say this is the worst, the worst. But, you know, when I go to my Bible, I don't necessarily, I can't necessarily say that it's worse today than it's ever been because I look at circumstances of people who lived uh, under dire circumstances, who, whether it was in famine or pestilence or sword, and there was really tough times. And yet the, the call upon the, the believer to walk the walk of faith has never changed. From the beginning of your Bible to where we live today, the call is the same. Matter of fact, the mission of God hasn't changed. All the way back to the beginning in the garden, the mission stayed the same. From He gave Adam and Eve the charge to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. At that point, before there was sin, they would reproduce their physical lives, which would also have been giving children, having children that would be called sons of God. But as we all know, once sin entered the equation, then... Every child that they had was born in sin and in the image of Adam and not in the image of God in the same. But the mission was then given back to the church through Jesus Christ the Lord who has given us this role now as the bride of Christ. He being the husbandman, he's taken the seed of the gospel and put it in the womb of the church that we would be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth with sons of God spiritually. God's kingdom is... Not of this world, it's a spiritual kingdom. There is a day that the Lord will come back and He will establish His literal physical kingdom. We look forward to that as well. But it's given us a defined mission. And as much as our mission is clear of why we exist as a church, why you as a believer in Jesus Christ loves you so much, He wants you to be with Him. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Well, you would think, man, He would just take us right out instantly. But He doesn't do that because... He has a mission and a purpose to redeem lost man from sin unto God. And he's using you and I to accomplish that. We've been studying for 
a while through the book of 1 Peter, and today I want to just take a short phrase. But from this one phrase, we're going to examine as a church kind of the why we do what we do, not just the what. I, I don't know how you're wired as a person, but I, if, if you don't explain to me why, I'm not interested so much. I remember I struggled with this in school a little bit. I told Amy I probably shouldn't pick on all the math people. You math people get into this stuff. But I never understood algebra and calculus. It's a math class. I don't understand why we have to have all the letters in here. But I didn't get it. And whenever I would ask for the explanation, it wasn't my teachers probably didn't do a good job. It's just I wasn't a very good student about it. But I didn't understand the why. So the what I wasn't so interested in pursuing. I want us to understand today the why behind what we do and understanding that we are in the midst of a spiritual battle. And if I was going to give a title to the spiritual battle that we're involved in, turn up into a big mess and get everything, I'd call it Operation Chaos. Just get the whole world stirred up into a big mess and get everybody all opposing each other and get a, a pandemic rolling. And I, man, I'd get this thing stirred up big if I was the one trying to create the chaos. And what it ultimately accomplishes, you have to ask the why. Well, the why would be, well, if you can start separating people and preventing even the advancement of the gospel where people can't get together anymore and communication links are broken, well, that's a very effective way to stop the advancement of the gospel. You look throughout history, and that has happened in the spiritual realm where things have taken place to stop the advancement of the gospel. And I believe we're, we're living in one of those times right now, but the mission hasn't changed. And that's why... Remembering that we are overcomers through Christ and that He is the overcomer. Remembering that we give all hail to King Jesus. He is the sovereign God who's in control, even though the world may be experiencing a pandemic and a lot of chaos. And so our mission in Christ has not changed. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, the first part of the verse says this, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, Strangers and pilgrims or sojourners. It's, it's people that are passing through. This is not home to us. We know that because we've already looked at this briefly, but Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 also teaches that our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're looking forward to the day we're with Him in heaven. That's where our citizenship belongs. We know we're passing through here. This isn't it. If this was, man, we'd be all men most miserable, wouldn't we? If this is all I had to look forward to. It gives you perspective, though, if you're ever um, just doing life with someone who's not a Christ follower, why they might get so uptight. Because if this is all there is to life, is however many years you have here, and then it all gets kind of messed up now, and you don't get to live very good quality during this kind of time frame, and that would be very distressful if your whole being is just getting ripped away from you. When you're, you're banking on, man, I just want to live 70 solid years or 80 or 100 years or whatever it's going to be and live them to the max. And, and now you're getting robbed. But if your citizenship is in heaven, well, I'm just passing through here. And I, God's got me on a mission and a purpose. And certainly as a, as a husband and as a father and, and as a minister and all those things, I want to fulfill those roles. And I want to enjoy those things, enjoy people, enjoy life, of course. But my home is not here. And as a result of that, it defines for me the very mission of why I'm on the planet breathing God's air today as opposed to being in His presence. 
You know, when Jesus was about to ascend back up to heaven, he had spent three to three and a half years with his disciples who he has trained. They've basically lived with him and, and traversed with him for the last three years. Well, now he's going to give them a charge. He's tooled them as best he knows how and, uh, and has committed them uh, unto the Father. And he now is going to commission them. And we know this commission. I've taught these things before, but we need to be reminded today of the why. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus came and spoke to them, being the disciples, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Very quickly, observe the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ on heaven and in earth. All power, all hail King Jesus. There is nowhere in this realm you will go that he's not in control, and his power is not, and he doesn't have that authority. He has the authority then as we go, therefore, in your going, you're making disciples of all nations, which means as the Lord would guide your life, you're going to end up in places that you never suit as always to share with people the good news of the gospel message of Jesus Christ the Lord, making a follower of Christ. That's what a disciple is, is by them hearing the gospel. We realize the process in this, that the, the gospel is communicated but it is God who, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is drawing people unto Himself. It is the Spirit of God who illuminates the truth that we would even see it and understand it. It is the Spirit of God that is, is the one that is convincing me or convicting me of my sin and that I even would need a Savior. So it is the proclamation of the gospel at the same time this work of God that's happening supernaturally in people's lives and so our role in this is to proclaim that which is true. And we go about making them the disciples. And what happens then? When somebody becomes a disciple, they make that a public proclamation through the baptism. They identify with Christ openly through baptism in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But then there's this teaching them to observe all things. It's the, it's the maturing. It's the growth. It's, it's how you become a mature follower of Christ is Teach them to observe all things. Don't just see somebody get saved and become a, a, a new follower of Christ, but now to actually mature and reproduce that again and again. And that's what the disciples did. After Jesus left, well, now they take and they continue the advancement of the gospel, and they're proclaiming that, multiplying it. Churches are started. Multiplication continues to take place. And here we are 2,000 years later as a church off the foundation of Christ, the cornerstone built on with the apostles and the prophets and, the, and pastors and teachers and evangelists. And here we are, 2,000 years later, still doing the same thing. And here's the bright side of this, too, is the fact that Jesus promised, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We will never be alone. It's one of the only a couple of times specific where the Lord mentions that I am with you. And I can assure you this, we always desire the presence of the Lord, and he promised he'd never leave us or forsake us. But you will sense the presence of God unlike any other thing when you are doing the mission of God. You will, because he empowered you to do it, he's emboldening you to do it, he's giving you the tools to do it, and it's part of the role of our church is to help equip you 
for the work of the ministry for the mission. Now, I've made a little graphic here for you, or I had a graphic made. I don't make anything because I'm not that smart. But we had a graphic made that hopefully you can see this. Let's throw that thing up there. Uh-oh, I hope we can read that. Can you guys read that? Or does it just look like circles? All right, so if it just looks like circles, I'm trying to give you an image of something that describes the discipleship of one community church that will help you to just get a visual. We don't live by graphics and trying to figure out all the... This isn't from... You're not going to find this graphic in your Bible. That's the point, okay? Don't look in your map section looking for this, okay? This is just giving you a visual to understand something. We have purposed as a church to identify what are we trying to do. We pursue to make disciples who love, learn, and live Jesus. That's what we're about. Well, if I'm going to love Jesus, I want you to think just how these things work together because loving, learning, and living, you don't leave one thing to do the other. This is not a left to right, which is a very Western-minded um, way of doing education sometimes, even in church, is I, I complete this, check that box, and move to the next thing. But the life of a disciple doesn't really work that way because Jesus is always teaching in circles and overlapping and that's really the way the whole Christ life works is I love, learn, live, and that never stops. As I, as I learn to, as I'm loving Jesus and learning to love Jesus, it, it deals with the devotion of my heart and this devotion then to follow the Lord, which is exactly what he called the disciples to do. When he called them out, he bumps along the road. And they were learning and growing and learning and growing and, and to be able to live this out so that whenever Jesus wasn't physically in their presence, they're still going to live the life that Jesus taught them to live. And so there is this aspect here of loving to follow and loving to obey and loving, it's a devotion then, to also serve. Now I want you to, if you can see this, to observe the fact that serving is in each component of this. Loving is serving, learning is serving, and living is serving. And that's present in each one of those circles. Because the, the one thing that Jesus taught us and was consistent in his discipleship was teaching his disciples to serve. It's one of the struggles that Western Christianity has because we are very education-based in the way we do ministry. That we like classes and studies and classes and studies and oftentimes disconnect from the places to serve and serving in community, serving in church in order to have more classes and more places to do that. Well, Jesus was always teaching, you're learning something to live something. You're learning something to live something. And you do that based on your love for the Lord. So I want to talk a brief moment here about this life as a pilgrim and sojourner in our mission. This heart of devotion that we have. The devotion that Jesus described is to Mark chapter 12 that says this, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Well, this is the first commandment. Have you ever examined that and contemplated? How, how will I know if I'm actually loving God with all of my heart? And not just holding back a little piece of that somewhere. Or loving Him with all of my mind. How do I know? What's the measuring stick for any of that? I will tell you that I find it difficult to measure. Outside of going to the Word of God daily and God revealing His truth and showing me in my life consistently where I might be holding something back that He wants me to surrender to Him. 
where, man, I'm not always loving God with my mind. My mind wondered. My mind strayed there. My mind went down a pathway that was not of God. I wasn't loving God with my mind. And I wasn't loving God with my soul that because I, my will was not bent towards the will of the Lord. It was bent towards the will of Dwayne. And loving God with all of my strength and talking about diligence and disciplines even in your life. When Jesus called the disciples, the scripture says in Matthew 4, they immediately, they just dropped everything to follow him. Well, sometimes I'm not always immediate and not always diligent. may get passive in the way I might go about things. And that's not with all of my heart. And so this is a constant challenge. It's not like I'm, I'm the expert in loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is a lifelong challenge every single day. Commanded is like it, and that's to love your neighbor as yourself. And there's no other commandment greater than these, Jesus said. So this is my test of my heart is the test of my devotion to follow the Lord, to obey the Lord, and to serve. And that's kind of the framework we start from this position of love. It is the why we do anything that we do here is because we love Jesus. Everything else is just, it would be immaterial because if we don't love the Lord, it gives us no basis for what we're doing. And I want us to consider something today. As a, you know, we, we're signing up for classes and Bible studies and all these things. Why? Why do we do this? Why do we talk about discipleship? Why do we get engaged in serving in our community? Why do we collect food for safe haven? Why do we do what we're doing? Why do we send people to the other side of the world? Why? Well, we're supposed to be winning people to Jesus. Well, yes, but are we accomplishing that? Are we engaged in that? And that's not here. Your home is with the Lord. But as we are here, we have a mission to, to fulfill that Jesus gave to us. And there's a part in here for every Christ follower in this room to, to be a part of that and to grow in that. And so the baseline of this is love. When I received the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, the Word of God teaches me that He loved me first. I didn't love Him first. He loved me first. God so loved the world that He gave His Son. Matter of fact, he gave his son to be the propitiation for our sin or the satisfaction, or the other word is a mercy seat. He, God was satisfied when Jesus gave his life to pay the ransom for my sin. But that was rooted in love by the Lord. But then the, I, that love is then reciprocated. I, I love the Lord, but I remember when I trusted Jesus Christ. I believed him, I trusted him. But my love at that point would have been very shallow. I didn't know him that well. But as I continue to walk with Jesus longer and I, I learn things from Jesus and I learn the, learn the word, then all of a sudden my heart for the Lord grows and circumstances happen and I start seeing God in different places at different times ministering and showing care and love and, and protection in ways. I, I didn't know that before. It's the same as in any marriage relationship you're your relationship when you started dating was in one spot way past me. My love for Amy is more significant and deeper today than it was when we first got married because we have experienced a lot of life together, a lot of sorrows together, a lot of hard things together, a lot of joys together. And as a result, that love continues to grow deeper and deeper. It's the exact same thing with the Lord. That's why you never abandon loving Jesus as a disciple to go to the next box. Now, they're just always working together. 
But there is an, a, a part of our growing and learning that I want to talk about today in maturity. In growing and maturity, the church has been challenged with this. And it comes, our text comes out of Ephesians chapter 4 for the why and the how. Ephesians 4.11, And he himself, being Jesus, gave some to be apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And he's giving these to the church. Why did he do that? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now watch the fours. He's linking it all together. He gave these roles to the church because he wants the church to be equipped for ministry, to build the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. There's, you notice there's a time. It's like it's, you can see it coming. A unity of the faith. Of the knowledge of the Son of God. Now here's what's interesting. Do we ever come in that spot where we're all of the same unity of the faith? Well here's what's cool about this. Is as the church continues to mature and grow. It reproduces. And there's always babies in Christ and chi- children in Christ and an old aged in Christ. And so this, it's like it never ends. And this is an exciting part to me because as, a, as your pastor, to, to have this role of equipping the saints doesn't mean that I get to do or have to do everything. No, my job in life is to equip the church to do the work of the ministry. That's what I have been called to do and it's my great joy. And so whenever you take the things that you do and the engiftment that you've been given by God, and I want to help you put some tools in your box because that's what God told me to do, equip you for the work of the ministry. And then just watch you go do your thing and multiply that ministry in a way that, well, blesses the Lord. But watch what happens. We all come in this unity of the measure of the status of the Son of God to a perfect man, meaning a mature man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It speaks of maturity. That we should no longer be children. That gives the definitive mark. as No more children. Tossed to and fro, because that's what happens with kids. You can convince kids of anything, right? Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But, Speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Together from whom, being Christ, the whole body, joined and knit together by the working of which every part does its share. as the way the body was designed. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Well now, when you watch all this happening together, the church is designed to be equipped and to minister, and to grow, and unite, and be working together all the parts. And so everyone in this space today has a part to play in God's kingdom and in the local church to see the advancement of the church for the edifying of the body of Christ. But this is why we kind of bring the why behind what we do. For example, when I first came to Christ, I did not know much about the Bible. Now, I had grown up hearing the Bible, but I couldn't really tell you much about it other than a handful of stories. I sure couldn't tell you, well, what's the will of God for my life? Or why do I even need to be baptized, though I was told I needed to be, and I followed that obediently and kind of learned that later. But 
I didn't understand all these things. I didn't really understand the person of God that much. But I, by faith, I trusted Jesus, and then I'm, I needed to grow. One of the great things that happened in my life is whenever I had a, another individual that discipled me and invested his time into me. Because it helped me to grow. Because it, it gave me the space to ask questions. It gave me a space to be able to ask the questions that I had about where I'm at in my Christian life and understanding of Scripture and moving at the pace in which I needed to learn. In our church, we call it discipleship. Now, there's a lot of components to discipleship, but we, we have steps in our discipleship where you kind of gather in this space of our discipleship one, which is a foundational, getting your foundation set. They're critical. The foundations that need to be set in your life are dealing with my obedience, my fellowship, understanding the will of God, understanding spiritual gifts and why do they even matter. And being able to take these things then and flesh this out every day. There's, I, I learn about my job and my employer and how to deal with my money and basically all the fundamentals of living. But I had somebody invest that into me one-on-one and that's in our church, we call it discipleship. Many of you have been discipled or in a disciple relationship. Now, I'm curious, and I'm going to have you show a show of hands. How many of you in current moment are in a discipleship relationship in our church as a discipler or being discipled? Okay, many of you. Praise the Lord. Oh, that's a lot. Okay. And maybe several of you have been a part of that in the past. And I want to encourage you that there's something for everyone. Because I, to encourage people to be disciplers, showing someone maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a while as a follower of Christ, and you're going to be able to show someone else, well, how to follow Christ. Maybe today's the day in your life you say, you know what, I, I need to learn. I just want to have a, someone invest in me this way where I can learn the scripture and learn the fundamentals and get grounded and rooted in my walk with the Lord. It's critical. In fact, it's interesting. Uh, when I sit down with missionaries who do the work of the ministry all over the world, they all follow the same, the same basic strategy. They come into a community where there's basically no Christ followers. They win somebody to Christ. They spend however long it takes to invest in that Christ follower to teach them how to follow Christ and all the things that they have learned in their lives they pour into another individual who then pours into another who pours into another until eventually you watch a church then is formed in another nation and it is exactly what we are about it is not just a big event everybody come here listen to the preacher guy no it is the work of the ministry for the entire church to be able to be tooled and equipped to do the work of the ministry in the context of where God puts you on a day-to-day basis. It is why we have group studies. We've invited even for today for you to study some things specific with our men's or ladies' uh, small groups. Why do you have small groups? They exist so that you have a group for learning scripture. It builds accountability. It's also a great place to serve because... You learn to pray for one another. You learn to meet the needs of others in your group. You learn from other people. And it's a great place for that. You can Those groups, we have those that meet everywhere from 6 a.m. till in the evenings. And so there's ways to get connected for men or for women. 
This fall, we're adding another class. So this is, a, again, we don't disconnect with our thoughts here, but um, it's just another level a little deeper in the Bible. Why? Because as a leader, as you're growing as a leader, which is what happens in this maturing part, you're learning the word, you're learning to be a leader, you're learning to serve at even another, I'd say another level, because it's costing you more. You're saying no to more things and saying yes to these things. And it costs you something to do that. As a result, you want to have more tools in your box. God's expanding your ministry opportunities and there's things you want to learn and things you want to get a little deeper in the scripture. That's what our Discipleship 2 class is for, is to get deeper in the word where you would feel very much at home. If uh, I'll give you an example. I just asked opportunity came for you to lead a study whether it's in this nation or any other and you had a chance just to sit down and show somebody here let's take a bible and i want to show you how to open up your bible and how to how to read it how to investigate it how you can study it how you can know it and how you can live it and you would feel right at home no matter where in the bible you open up to you'll feel right at home there that is part of our goal in our Discipleship 2 class. And I will tell you, most of you may have known this, but I was trained for ministry through a local church. Ultimately went to a Bible institute in a local church. And in our church it was called a shepherd school. And um, it was really intense. I learned the Bible, learned ministry at the same time. It was really a wonderful experience for me to help me grow as a man, a man of God. And, I, and when the Lord gave me opportunity to pastor a church in Florida, we were able to do the same thing there. And I, you just do what you're trained to do. It's what I believe the Bible says do. Equip the saints for the work of the ministry. As I will just tell you, this is down the road for our church, but it, we're building the steps forward, guys, because I really believe it is the job of our local church to equip people to do whatever God is leading you to do, which would include, there's day, days coming where a Bible institute for us is going to be part of who we are. It takes a tremendous number of leaders to do that. It's not just all hinging on me. No, it takes a tremendous number of people to do that that are committed to the Word and committed to equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. I want you to catch, capture this morning, we are on a mission. We have a, a commission from the Lord Jesus Christ to fulfill. We are learning. We're always loving. We're always learning. We're always growing. I want you to assess right now in your spiritual journey, where are you? The Bible describes there's babes in Christ. There's children in Christ. Little children. Children. The young. The mature. And then the aged. And in a spiritual sense. I remember I was discipling with a man one time that came to he came to have a conversation with me. He said, Dwayne, I, I want you to disciple me. And I was like, okay, why, why is that? He said, I feel like a spiritual teenager. I said, okay, explain that. He said, I've been saved for a long time. And he said, if you've looked at it in a physical sense, I could reproduce myself but I, so I could be a father, but I don't know how to be a dad. Oh, what a great statement. And I just want to, learn the, I want to learn the word and I want to learn how to minister the word more effectively so I can learn how to help someone else grow. I want to grow and I want to help somebody else grow in the, in the Lord. 
And that's what it means to learn to be a leader, learn to be a servant, where you're utilizing your spiritual gifts. It's where Jesus is taking this idea of serving to a whole nother level when right before he goes to the cross, he washes the disciples' feet and takes the lowest position possible and you learn something from Jesus. The way up is always down. Because he always took the humble spot to serve more as the leader. And that's what we're trying to learn. I want to encourage you today. Expand the scope of your growing. The scope of your learning. I realize during COVID time, this has been really challenging for us to meet in groups and individuals and all those things. But it... We have found ways to do that, and we're going to continue to just keep moving forward, moving forward, advancing forward as the Lord is leading. We must advance forward with the mission God's given us. The final thing I want to share with you is not just to love and to learn, but to live. The idea to multiply. The Second Timothy 2.2 is a great example of this, generationally speaking, in ministry. Paul told Timothy, he said, The things that you have heard of me from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Notice the generations involved in that phrase, in that verse. Paul shared something with Timothy. Timothy has heard this, and there were many witnesses to the hearing. Timothy, you share these with these faithful men, and these faithful men will be able to teach others also. There's, there's four generations listed right there. It's the idea of multiplying the church, which is what Paul was commissioning Timothy to be sure that he would do that. It's, yes, sharing the gospel, that would be the inevitable, that, but that doesn't just start whenever you've got all this Bible training and now you're all equipped up and tooled up. No, you know, you watch the Samaritan woman who had come out of a very uh, difficult past, met Jesus, and moments later is now leading her entire village to come meet this man who told me all that I've ever done. And she introduced her entire village to Jesus. So it's not like you've got to be this Mr. Maturity before you can do anything in ministry. No, 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 no. Well, that's something we do all the time. But it's, it's mastering a skill, though, in being able to share the gospel very effectively in a lot of different contexts. To be able to mentor others and, and coming alongside to, to lead others you know, we know the old phrase that a leader is someone who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. It'd be like the Ezra of the Old Testament, someone who would seek, do, and teach. And you say, well, I'm not, not much of a teacher. That's not my thing. You know, you're, we are all called to be leaders. If you are light in a dark spot, well, you're a leader because you're guiding people where they can see. It doesn't matter whether your role that you fill in ministry is seemingly behind the scenes where no one really knows what's going on. Yeah, that's true, but you could still mentor someone else to do the exact same thing. It's not always what happens up on a stage or in a classroom context. No, not at all. The leaders know how to mentor, and that's what we're here, to equip you to mentor in whatever context your ministry and living. But there's also an aspect of serving our community well. And this is something that I, I'd like to just birth something, maybe, or have the Lord, I pray He'd birth this in your heart today, but um, ministry specialist. 
Our community needs this. The world needs this. What do you mean? People that are in this church, that you just have a passion for assisting and coming alongside of others in marriage, either preparation for marriage or to come along as a marriage mentor. And you would get the tooling for that, the training for that, and that'd be your deal. That'd be your ministry. You would just love that and eat that alive. Same as parenting. We all observe the challenges that parents have, whether single parents or nuclear family. It doesn't matter. Parenting is a huge challenge in this, in this culture. Maybe you would take that to be the ministry and get the tooling and the training and the equipping to, to be the most effective you could possibly be in that strategic area of ministry. There's needs in this community, because I, I deal with this every day, with supporting seniors, grief care, divorce care, so many different supports, um, aspects of ministry for we used to call labor for your neighbor, where we, we, we become privy to needs of people physically. We just need to come in and help. Guys, it takes an army to do this. And I believe that God of doing the role of equipping and now apprehending that which God has given. Exercising the gifts that God's given. Something I, I ask you all to be praying about is... You know, as a church, we're grateful to be able to meet in this facility, and this has been a very strategic place for us. But we're looking down the road as what does God have for us strategically in terms of a location, a facility? What does that look like? A building is, it's just a tool. What is it? Where is it? How is it? And does it meet the, meet the objectives that we have to, to minister in this community effectively? Is it accessible? Is it utilized well? And I want to ask you all to be praying about that. Those are all things that we are looking and anticipating. What does God have for one community church in this area? I want to encourage you today. Something that has happened in my own life, obviously, is in the aspect of planting and watering churches with the training that you've received. This could be any of you, that many of you have done this, been on short-term mission trips. This is, the landscape of missions in our world has changed radically in the last three years. In the last year especially. I, I anticipate that to pass at some point. But what it has done, it has taken missionaries completely out of countries where they used to be. And they may not be able to even return. On a permanent, long-term basis. But there was still a group of believers there that were learning and growing and, and being discipled by somebody. Now that person's gone. And it doesn't have that maybe the access to go back. There are complete denominations who have withdrawn from whole countries of the world where there's limited presence. And God's just continuing to show us, well, where are those places and what are the gaps and where are there groups of people gathered where there's national pastors or groups of individuals that God's wanting us to come alongside of them to share with them and equip them in the same way that we're doing here. So it's not like you, you have to all of a sudden go do something you've never done before. No, you take the exact same things you do here every day and you pick it up and do it somewhere else around the world, short term often, in and out. It's the capacity to send others to be able to go and supporting others who have gone, which is we are constantly wanting to develop and, 
expand our mission partners. But it's also the help in training and equipping people to be able to go. I believe it's God's mission for our church to not only be active in reaching our own community, but as the Lord leads and builds relationships, it almost looks like the spider web, the way God works with local churches, is He connects you uniquely to places in the world that, well, I don't know why in the world He would choose one community to go drop into that spot, but He did. It's a little obscure place that group needs in order for us to be effective. There's things we need to do here to be effective there. And so here's my plea with you today. We've been given a mission. Right now we're living in the midst of utter distraction and chaos. And today if I could just somehow just rip the fog back to say, guys, this is what we've been called to do. The bombs are going off, the flashes of the bangs, the grenades, it's all bam, 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 all around. I get it. But we still advance forward. The gospel is still going forward. Disciples are still to be made and until Jesus takes us home. That's what we do. And so what is your part in that even today in terms of your loving and learning and, and living and in the aspect of growing? Where does God have you right now that you need to grow? And where you need to serve and where you need to, to engage into something that maybe you weren't before because God's wanting to stretch your scope. Because not only is God... I know when that happened for me, there was ministries I've been involved in in my life. I had no earthly idea that what I learned here would be so critical over here. I had no, I had no concept that those two would ever connect. I didn't even know about the other thing. But God gave you these opportunities And I want to just encourage you today, as an opportunity is before you, take the step through it. It will take maturity to say no to this and yes to this. And that's what my challenge would be to you today. This is the why. We don't just have Bible studies for the sake of giving us Christian things to do Monday through Friday. We don't have classes just to make us Bible smart. No, we're equipping constantly for the work of the ministry to fulfill the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I encourage you today, be equipped. Take whatever steps God has for you to take to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and to know him more, to, more tomorrow than you did today and to move forward. And it may be that the first step of your walk right now is the first step of faith, and that is to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I want to encourage you right now to know this. God in heaven loves you and he loves you so much he was willing to give his own son to pay your sin debt. He never sinned. You and I did. But God loves you and sent his son to die on the cross to pay our sin debt. And not only did he die, but he came back alive. And it's the only reason I can stand here today and have anything to talk about is because Jesus resurrected from the dead. And he gave us life. And life eternal. Citizen of heaven, not here. I know that I have been engifted by God. He's pronounced it so in the scriptures. His Holy Spirit lives in me. He's gifted me to do the work of the ministry that he has for me to do. It's different. Every one of us are different. My question to you today is, have you received by faith the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? And if the answer to that question is yes, 
then what is the step God has for you today to take to grow 